Hi, everybody. Welcome to this board game life number five, The Board Gamer's Dozen, the show where we talk about board games and a cornucopia of topics relevant to gamers everywhere. My name is Rob, and with me today, I've got Big Jeff. How are you doing today, Jeff? Hey, I'm good. Awesome, awesome. What, what's been going on? What have, uh, what have you been having uh, hit the table lately? I've played a variety of different games lately, including Last Will. Trahan and uh, a pre-release version of uh, Gunship First Strike. Wow. Actually, that Trahan, or some people call it Trajan. Trajan. (laughs) Trajan. Because that one's not available yet in the U.S. Somebody imported it? Yeah. Yeah. Usually, I think I I know um, at least two people that have a copy. Game Surplus. You know, there's a couple places you can pick up titles like that. I think I usually go... Go there for the imports myself. Yeah. How, how did you like that game? Trajan, Trahan. Uh, I'll save my comments on that one for a future show. <laughs> you can't give us a little teaser at all? Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, I want to play it more and, uh, yeah. and enhance my opinion. Yeah, because that, that's the one that's got that whole Mancala. Exactly. I will say I don't like Mancala at all. The original, the... The old school. Yeah, the old game. one. In the same way, I don't like checkers. Right? It's not like it's flawed or anything like that. It's just those sort of simple things were more fun when I was a kid or something yeah, like that. I want, it's a I want dated more. game. Yeah, I just want more from a game these days. And even abstracts, I think, have evolved to be you know more than just what what those were. I gotcha. I, I, I totally know what you mean. I mean, that's why... But I, I don't begrudge the fans of the game, right? I mean, if it's the kind of game you've played for 40 years and you love it, then, well, that's going to be why. But that not being a game I'd played a whole lot of, I just tinkered around with it. I never really played a lot of checkers either, but you know, there's not really that attraction that there would be for others. Oh, yeah. There isn't that same appeal in checkers as there is in something like bingo. That was my game when I was little. <laughs> yeah. I used to play well, with my grandma I, all the time. I, I was going to say more like <laughs> Othello. I, I had a copy of Othello and... I thought that was really cool. I thought it was really deep and strategic then, but you know, and and now I, you can play it online on one of the sites. Might even be Yucata. Yeah, and, they've got it. Yeah, and I think I played one game, and I played against somebody who had eighty-four thousand three hundred and something plays, and and of course he had eighty-four thousand three hundred and something minus two wins, and you you kind of wonder how it's still fun for him, but. Mm-hmm. I lost, in case you didn't know. (laughs) Yeah, trounced. (laughs) And I don't, you know, I don't deny there's obviously strategy to the game, but I think it's more of that, oh, now I'll insult the game by saying tic-tac-toe strategy, right? Where it's, you just, you could pretty much just Google it, you know, how to play Othello well, and if you adhere to that, you're going to be pretty good. And I just don't care enough to learn what that is and play it right or explore that through more plays. I wonder if there's some people that pull the old chess trick with Othello or Reverse C or whatever it's called. Because I knew a guy that I grew up with where he would play online. He played chess online, actually. And all of his moves would be done by, you know, insert latest chess program name here. Yeah, there you go. You know, Yeah, you know, I never thought about that. But sure, you could, especially since that's uh, turn-based, you could be running your little... Othello computer in, in the other window, and just each time it's your move, update accordingly. There you go. 
I don't know if that's what you were talking about, <laughs> I, but that's what yeah, I thought that's, of. Like, yeah. okay, you move there. Okay, I'll move there. Now see where the computer moved. Okay, great. That's probably as you know, an, an extra expert. This is where I'll move, and I'll be able to increase my Yukata so, rating because of that. Yeah, the move that the person makes is your move in the game, and then yeah. the computer's move is your move. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, that's a strategy tip on how to <laughs> how to cheat your way up the up the Yukata ranks. Yeah. <laughs> At least in Othello. Okay. So it's kind of a light week for you then. Yeah, uh, I was out of town before that, and yeah. it was a busy out of town, so I, I didn't get a whole lot played. It's one of the weeks I haven't played really anything with my wife, so that's about all I've got to the table. Cool. Yeah, I got a, a couple of games in. I did the usual standby of Ascension, Storm of Souls. Um, I think I'm ready for a little bit of a break from that game. But it's still okay. And then played uh, one game, or almost a full game, of Santiago de Cuba. Yep, we talked about that on one of our last shows. Yeah. Two shows back, I think it was. And uh, now that I've got a couple plays into it, uh, I'm really, really starting to see a little bit of strategy in it. Because at at first it just seems like, hey, you know, I'm just moving my pieces here and there. But it's got a little bit of depth to it, which is kind of fun. I still really like the game a whole lot, and this is about the th- this game that I, it was my wife and I that played. It was about the third game in a row now where we never actually got to fully finish it because we would play when our son was napping, ah. and then he, I mean, as soon as we break this game out, he somehow wakes up. Mm. So I think the the moral of the story is don't play Santiago de Cuba first. <laughs> <laughs> Get at least one or two games in of something else and then play it because then kids will wake up. Beyond that, uh, I played a little bit of Mass Effect 3 uh, on the console that came out last week. I wasn't uh, aware of the board game, so I had yeah. to go in there. So I thought I'd throw that in. That got a little bit of my time. Very fun game. You know, if any of our listeners are video gamers at all, either on PC or one of the consoles, it's out. So it's a pretty fun, fun, fun I, I'm looking to get that new Star Wars game where you can use your Kinect to do the Force effects. I don't know if you saw oh, yeah. the advertisement, but I don't know anything beyond that. I just know that's why I got the Kinect, because one day I would be able to Force push and choke people just by <laughs> doing the little choking motion with my fingers. Well, you just got to be careful. If you do the Force push, don't knock the Kinect off of whatever <laughs> it's mounted on. I, I stand far enough away. <laughs> <laughs> I've rearranged yeah. my room in a Connect friendly uh yes. fashion. You're lucky to have a room that's big enough for the Connect. That's I, I, uh that's one thing that's kind of a a bummer for some people. You know, they get this thing and they find out that their living room, which they thought was a perfect size, all of a sudden isn't big enough. Yeah, you mean like all the negative reviews by people who basically hey, have to play in their bedroom because they they're, you know, 15 and yeah. that's where their machine is. So, I mean, even where I had mine mounted, I actually took it down recently. But where I had it mounted, I mean, it's a decent sized room. It's actually a fairly large room. But the way that the furniture is laid out, it's not connect friendly at all. Rearrange. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. But <laughs> I don't. I just need to move. There you I go. just need to move and hook up all my they, stuff they inside need to a full design bar. New living spaces around connect absolutely connect friendly all righty real quick before we start off with our topics 
have uh, a couple of things we wanted to throw out to our listeners. I'd like to get some comments on the music that we've been using throughout the show. It's uh, some music that we sourced legally and, and properly, of course. Right, Jeff? Yeah, for money, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Hey, isn't that the only way that you get music? Uh, yeah, and and so <laughs> this show and this show has some new music as well. So yeah, so you know, let us know uh, what you think of the music, and you know, we're open to some feedback. You know, see how that goes. Also, the if you've been to our site recently, you'll see that we've got a number of photos that uh, Jeff took with his professional Hardly. photography skills. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. If you uh, took it in your studio, exa- yeah, exactly. I did use a special light that I have, uh, and and it's not one that I bought for photography. It's actually one my wife uses for drawing, I think. But it's it's called an Ot light. So, Ot. Yeah, it's uh, some kind of natural light thing huh. simulation. I don't know. It, it costs like eighty bucks if you buy it where you shouldn't. It's inexpensive elsewhere, but uh, it actually it's part of the reason I think the lighting's better than ones i've done in the past so okay oops i just gave away my trick i probably need more than one though because it's not it's not enough light there's only one bulb so i got you you probably need a couple to cast it from all sides or something yeah well but then again shadows can be neat so i don't send us your thoughts comments yeah maybe i'll take a couple throw them up there you know just let us know you know if you like the style you know we've been trying to get some uh, different views on the games i really like the close-up shots of the games and you feel like you're right in the game alrighty so let's uh, get on with the topics then okay well start it off Newsworthy stuff. Uh, was listening to what must be now the third to last episode of Cody and John's podcast. And they ended their podcast mentioning something that is very dear to me, which was a uh, collection of Stronghold miniatures for War of the Ring. Really more than miniatures, I guess you would call them sculptures of each of the different locations. This was a set that was done by Fuber Awal, is is the guy's name, on BoardGameGeek. And uh, I guess somebody had contacted them. So what I wanted to say about that was there is another guy that is doing what, in my opinion, is, and and, uh, to be nice, I guess I'll say slightly better, but really, uh, mm. (laughs) well, I'm going to put up the photo and you compare for yourself. Uh, I think these are worth considering. Now, this is a set of 17 that this guy by the name of Sick Dave does, if you want to look him up. they Originally, he had just done these for a friend, and I had seen this photo as kind of posted in an obscure location, and about five of us, five or six of us, said, you know, hey, I'd, I'd love to buy these if you'd, if you'd cast a much larger run. He kind of went back and forth on that a little bit of, if he wanted to get into that or not, but ultimately he's decided to do that. And they are available pre-painted as well. And you can compare again, paint jobs between the two sets. Pricing to me seems similar. Uh, the one difference being you can, you buy these all as a set, which is one of the things I didn't like about the other set, 
you were ordering them kind of in groups of three, so the shipping was a lot more. You were paying shipping every time. So just a note for any War of the Ring fans out there, this works, uh, my understanding is, with either the Collector's Edition or the regular Second Edition, Standard Edition. Sick Dave is his name. Check our post section for a link to that. Okay, excellent. Okay, and then a couple weeks ago, I had done some business travel down to Atlanta, and I had two game stores. The first one I talked about on a previous episode. I believe it was episode one or two. First one. Episode first one? one? Yep. First one, okay. Uh, first one, and then uh, I just wanted to cover the second one. I managed to hit that one on my way to the airport while I was leaving town. It's called Oxford Comics and Games down on Piedmont Road uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, right around Buckhead area, if you're familiar with the uh, Atlanta area. That place is primarily, as you can guess by the title, it's primarily a comic book store. A lot of comics. A lot. It's a fairly good-sized store, uh, probably bigger than a lot of the game stores that I've been to, but I'd say probably 90% of it is devoted to comics and a lot of you know, fun stuff, uh, posters and oddities. I guess is one way to put some of the stuff that was in there. And there was a small section of games. Uh, it was limited to a couple shelves. There was uh, Some of the games were in a really weird location. I'd never seen this in any of the stores I've been to, where the games were actually put into what I would call a magazine rack. Really? Have you ever, have you ever seen that? A magazine just, rack? No. Yeah. It's, I've, I've seen them in milk crates and things like that, but not yeah, a magazine I mean, rack and... Yeah, this is, you know, like the magazine racks you would see, like, in a, uh, I don't know, a bookstore, like, I don't know, Barnes & Noble. Oh, okay, sure. You like, know, it, like the slanted ones, kind of? Or? Yeah, you know, it's very thin up against the wall, and it's kind of got little slots that you'd normally have magazines in, but they put a couple games in there. It's, hmm. it's kind of interesting. It's sort of it. like they had a fixture left over and then decided Bingo. to carry some games and let's stick them here. Yeah. Then the selection was decent. You know, they had some of the more recent titles, uh, some older titles as well, and that's typically what I look for. I, I look for the the old gems that uh, you know we don't have at the stores out here in Chicago. You know, something that's basically been forgotten. It's been sitting there forever, and they want to get rid of it at a cheap price, for better or worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I wound up not buying anything, and if if there's anything even remotely good, I usually pick it up as part of an impulse or, or whatnot, but I wound up just spending a couple minutes just walking around the store and uh, checking th- things out and left empty-handed, which, uh, yeah, although I, I did manage to pick up uh, Wacky Wacky West. At from, that other store. Yeah, at the yeah. other store. So And the Robots. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Expansion for. I have Alfred. not yet played that, but I do own it as well. Oh, the robots? Yes. Yes, it's it's like a little puzzle. It's like a little piece together puzzle. A oh. five piece puzzle. I guess I was talking about Power Grid, the robots. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The robots are like puzzle pieces. Oh, okay. Because I was like, you're describing you this five piece puzzle game. and I was, No, no, no. Oh, that doesn't sound <laughs> cool at all, but yeah. all right, if that's your thing. I, You know, there, there's more to it, but just yeah, I know what it, about, Yeah, the yeah. robots are in multiple pieces, but there's more than uh, five pieces. Each each Absolutely. one is five pieces, but there's like six of them or something. Correct, right. Yeah, yeah there's a couple of them. So anyway, 
they had a small selection of games, primarily a comic book store. The parking was really kind of odd. You park behind the store and you kind of walk up a hill. I guess as, as far as games go, maybe I'll throw out some rating here to see the, the board game worthiness. I'd rate it probably a three out of five. As far as the store, like for comic books and maybe magic cards or something like that, it's, it's, I'd say it's definitely higher than that, but we're only interested in the games. Three out of five is pretty good for, for yeah. me for a game store. Really? You're generous. <laughs> oh wow! You must go to a lot of. I've well, yeah, yeah. Junky ones. <laughs> I've I've been to some not so great ones. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's it's definitely not a huge selection. Maybe it's a little bit more than you would see in like one of the better, yeah, one of the better Barnes and Nobles. So that's about it for Oxford. What else you got, Jeff? Well, the other items I had, one was uh, I had seen. Well, this was, I think, the day before the press release came out, but Matrix Games, that's a company I used to purchase a lot of their PC products, PC war games and things. I haven't so much lately, but they've announced that they're releasing Conflict of Heroes by Academy Games, the PC version, the end of this month. And I'd posted that up on BoardGameGeek, started a big, long controversy, we'll say, because they've changed one of the major rules. So I'm not going to get a whole lot into it, because I, I don't really have an opinion on that. If you want, go go to the Conflict of Heroes forum on BoardGameGeek. You'll find the post I made. It's several, several pages. They go all into this, uh, you know, the differences between the board game and the PC game. For me... It's a board game that I like quite a bit, but it's it's I don't like it to the level that because they've changed this one thing, I'm not going to get the PC version. So I do plan to get the PC version. They they've kind of come back and said that they're going to patch it, maybe not for AI play, but for playing against other gamers, they're going to patch it to be uh, to include the original rules as well. So I thought that was kind of neat to to have a PC version. It would be better if it was an iOS version, but can't have everything. Uh, but on that note, the other thing I saw was Command and Colors from GMT. Now, this is another sort of light war game. This is coming to the iOS, but not from just anyone, but actually from Playdeck, who did Ascension. So I don't I don't know how GMT swung that, or if uh, probably Playdeck went to them, but that's pretty impressive for one of the most recognized you know, light war game brands to be the first real war game of note to be translated to the iOS and at that to be done by a company with as great a record as, as Playdeck. So looking forward to that. I don't actually own any of those board games. I've I've played I've played them. I've played of course Memoir, Battle Lore, Battle Cry, all the other ones. So um it's definitely an iOS game I'll pick up. Cool. Okay. Um uh, one thing uh, I wanted to hit on, too, was that uh, there was an uh, Ascension announcement recently. The other day they announced that Ascension is going to have yet another expansion coming out. There's an expansion to Storm of Souls. Mm-hmm. They're planning on releasing it sometime this summer or later. That's how Storm of Souls was. It was a little bit late. <laughs> so I'm being a little sarcastic there. So it'll be out in uh, sometime this summer. There's a couple new things in it where they have these new soul gem cards, which are trapped souls of heroes from the past. Uh, It's supposed to be a two-player standalone game. Again? Yeah, they say in addition 
uh, to being uh, an expansion for Storm of Souls, where you can go up to six. So I'm not really quite sure what what that means, but maybe you can play two player by itself, as, you know, with a really small game where you can just mix it up. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. I mean, this is a franchise that I'm definitely gonna drop some money into. If it's gonna be anything. I call Storm of Souls kind of an upgrade to Ascension since uh, it's a little bit better than the base game and the previous Return of the Fallen. You know, if this thing is, goes along the same lines, I'm, I'm, it, I'm actually really hopeful it's going to be an awesome addition to the game. Cool. So it's a definite purchase for, for me. Okay. So we'll move on to a segment that we've entitled Board Gamers Dozen, trademarked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you Feel free to use it, but you need to send us a letter in triplicate requesting permission. And well, I was going to say licensing fee. Come on. Well, yeah, you didn't let me finish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and a licensing fee. And what's our licensing fee? It depends on who sends it in. Okay. It's a sliding scale. Yeah. It depends on how much that next game you want costs. <laughs> yes. Well, and so what it is, is 13 games, new and old, that we're going to run through quick reviews on in well under 60 minutes. So the goal is to be quick and concise, one to the next. Uh, so the... 60 minutes each? Yeah. Woo, that would be long. Whoa. No, maybe maybe anywhere from a minute to, let's say, five minutes tops, right? So that even if we did five minutes a game, that would be, you know, well, that'd be more than 60 minutes, but not yeah. by much. But, uh, you know, somewhere in that range. Anyway, the first one is one we'll say I don't like. And then each game that I list after that, I like more than the one before it. Uh, so that when we get to the end, we're basically at, you know, from the BGG world of rankings, we're at something closer to a 10. And when we started, we're at something closer to a 1. Uh, and each one improves from there. So that's the idea. Uh, a lot of these would be ones that have been played recently. Some of them would be ones that maybe just came up. Like uh, in one case, I noticed one on Tanga recently, and, and that got me thinking about it again. And other ones have come up in conversation or something like that. So they're basically just games I've I've either played recently or thought a, a lot about recently. Okay, let's do it. Okay. So first one is I have to stretch a little bit for games that I absolutely hate because <laughs> uh, there aren't, you know, in BGG terms, you know, I guess I'll say that a lot because we, you know, we post on uh, all these links on BGG and stuff. So I really have my own scale. If you want to know about it, I'm not going to go through it on the show, at least at this point. Uh, it's it's if you click on my profile over on Board Game Geek, I have it listed out. I've I've revised the ratings several times. This is sort of the near to final way that I've done it. Uh, so LCR have you ever had the pleasure of playing this, Rob? No, I have not. That's the one. It's what left, center, right? Is that, that that's, that's what, what it stands for? Right? for? Yep. And okay. and it's just this die that you roll, and it's if it's left an L, you pass it to your left. Uh, or, well, usually it's a quarter, but as the game comes, it's with little chips, which is even more pointless. But even if you're playing with real money, you, know, you pa- pass it to the left, pass it to the right. 
10 guesses what center is. Anyway, there's no decision at all in this game. And that was made clear by the fact that I had to get up and, and chase after my our son. And my wife, well, my wife was playing too. So somebody else sat in for me. And as I was you know, chasing down my son, I realized that, hmm, there's really no problem with that because it doesn't matter whether I'm playing or somebody's playing for me. There's no decisions. You just roll the die and see what happens. So uh, that's not a game to me. That's just an experience. Actually, there is a decision to keep playing the game or not. Well, there you go, right? But <laughs> yeah. it, that's an experience, right? So throwing a baseball in your backyard is, isn't a game. That's It's just an action, Right. Or the it might be fun because of the experience of, of, of who you're throwing it to or maybe you're doing it while drunk. But in any case, LCR, terrible, terrible game. Thankfully, each game now is better than that. So the, the next one, this came up because I, I was I've been trying to figure out I've played a lot of deck builders lately. Everybody has okay. in the last couple of years. Right. Absolutely. And, and I've been trying to form my opinion on another one that I'll talk about at a future date. And as I was thinking about how much I didn't like this particular deck builder, I realized, wait, there is a deck builder that I just absolutely didn't like. And that deck builder was Heroes of Groxia. Okay. And the reason, apart from, you know, actually is probably a nice thing to say about all the people I game with, but I don't really game with anyone. I never really have had the experience where people get up and walk away from a game they're playing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thankfully right yeah uh, it's not good that's pretty rude it is rude but but i've there's the polite version of that which is the that look in the your opponent's eyes that's like do we really have to keep playing this and then you know that kind of trans forms into a worded version of you know are, are you having fun with this uh, <laughs> right well in any case that happened repeatedly with this game so there was by mutual sort of agreement a lot of times i played this game it was just abandoned and with different people so you know that says a lot right there and the reason is the same as the reason i don't like it which is there's a lot of arithmetic in this game so there's numbers on the cards and the way that they do the variety in attack strength and things like that is you might have 52 attack that you add up with all these different things. And I have 37 defense that I add up with all these different things. Okay. And so then you subtract the two. And then, so you did 15 damage that you can assign to different things. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it just, it's weird downtime while everyone calculates all of this. And, and it would be one thing if, if, you somehow played all the cards and then calculated it once, but really it's part of the game to to think about, okay, well, if I played these and these and that's a 52 plus another 10 and minus three plus four. Okay. And then, and then he would have, and okay, so should I attack or should I do this? It's, it's just crazy. There's no reason for the game to have numbers that high and that a level of arithmetic. It's, it's just simply not fun. And there's plenty of other games where you're doing addition 18xx train a lot of train games come to mind in fact but but those games manage to bring something else along with that arithmetic right i mean usually it's economic games and there's more of a a point to it i guess but but here that's all it is and it just became a you know why am i going through all this extra work there's also this thing where you're attacking other players so if you're playing it multiplayer if you don't calculate this right and you attack somebody and you and you hurt them but don't destroy them, 
now you're basically opening it up for somebody else to come in and just destroy that weaker player, uh, which is, again, unsatisfying. The rulebook itself is entirely too brief. I don't think it had a single example in the whole thing, so it's unclear on a lot of stuff. The only thing that was nice about the game was the fact that there was a there was some different takes on on the way they approached duck building. So there was a, you could put a weapon in a slot and armor in a slot, and there was different decks to draw from. So that was neat, but nothing in the gameplay was compelling. Okay. Now, what's the difference between this and Guardians? Well, Guardians is not really a deck building game. It's more of cards laid out on a table, and you're doing a tactical maneuvering. I've not played the Guardians version. I've played the uh, tank version they had, which was like Panzer General. Panzer General. Yeah, and I even bought the Xbox version, which is, which is a funny different game. But uh, basically, the problem with that, and you know, actually, here's the good. I'm glad you brought that up because here's the other thing about Heroes of Craxia. It actually seems like this would have been good on the console, somewhere where all those math, the math gets done for you. And maybe you highlight the cards, and it just tells you what your total would have been and what it would be if you attack now. So you go, okay, well, then I'll unhighlight right. this card, highlight that card. Okay, now it's 192, right? And there's, there's this 137, and I'm exaggerating, but not that much. That, that, it almost seems like that's how they designed it. And then they said, okay, let's make the board game version two. That's exactly what happened with Panzer General. They designed it to be this Xbox arcade game and then said, let's release a board game because board games are hot and... You know, maybe we'll make a bunch of money that way too, and it just didn't translate well to right. the board game version. Uh, and, and actually, they in that game they changed the mechanics even and how things worked. So maybe I'll talk about that one more at a different time. But anyway, Heroes of Graxia, uh, as much as I might dislike other deck builders, I dislike this one the most. <laughs> okay. So moving on and, up, and I have heard that quite a bit. Yeah. There's a lot more people that dislike this game versus like for some reason. Next game, game uh, called City Tycoon. So this was another one of those games I had to import. I had shipped in from Europe, paid a really high price for it, and I don't really think that contributes to my opinion on it. But it certainly doesn't help, I guess. You know, if if, if it were marginal. In this case, I I feel pretty strongly against the title. And and the and the problem with this game is it's very very simple game. It's a, a city building tile laying game, and that really sounded cool to me at first because I, I love this this the Sim City sort of theme. I, I love tile laying games, so this was a match made in heaven for me. The Artwork was all right to better than all right, and you know everything sort of lined up to, to hey, this is going to be a good game. But in practice, well, the other thing I should mention about the game is it plays a little bit like Seven Wonders in that you take a, a stack of tiles and you pick one and pass it to the person to your left. So it's drafting. Yeah, they pick one, pass it around you, you know, and and that's basically how how you get your hand of tiles. Okay. So that's the first thing you do in the game. And then you spend money to place the tile down, which is which is fine. And and then there's a mechanic where you have to activate the tile by delivering cubes. So there's a pick up and deliver. And there's red and blue that are basically come from uh, power plants and water plants. And then there's a miscellaneous good that's just represented by uh, uh, yellow cubes. 
And you basically, if you're passing from within your tiles, it's free. But if you take one from an opponent, it costs two, and it costs two for each of their tiles that you go through or anyone else's tile that you go through. And so that sounds neat when I read the rules. But in practice, the game just didn't play out like I thought it would. And everyone kind of builds in their own little section because it's so costly you know, it's two for the cube and then, you know, let's say two for a space. That's four and I need two cubes, so that's eight. And I'm only going to get nine, let's say, from that building anyway. So I go through all that work really for no money. It's almost just to deny your opponent the cubes, which is all right, but doesn't even that doesn't really work out as well as it sounds. There is some park tiles that get played and, and some water tiles that get played, which, again, you would think maybe form obstacles or something but you know basically the game just doesn't it just played out too simple for me the other problem i had was when you're looking at that hand of seven tiles or five what i forget now how many it is somewhere in that range there aren't really that much difference between them i mean one costs seven and makes you you know six money but it, it's activated a little cheaper one costs six but gives you seven money but costs a little more and as you're looking at them all, it's do I I don't feel like I even care. One game to the next, as I played more, I didn't feel like I was really improving on. Okay, well, even Seven Wonders for all the complaints that some have about that, there's clearly defined you know different approaches to I want to go this route or I want to go that route or you know these cards chain off of these previous cards. None of that is, is exists in City Tycoon. The okay. only thing is. Uh, the stacks, they're kind of pre-done. There's uh, four stacks. And in the fourth stack, there are some tiles that might build on something you focused on throughout the game. The problem is, though, if that tile isn't drawn by anyone, you have no chance of even getting it. Of course, even if it is drawn, somebody else might take it. But especially in a two-player game, you just forget it. That's never, that's never going to come up. You draw so few tiles out of the total tiles, you'll never get it. Even... In a three-player, you probably won't. Just on all levels, the game didn't really work for me. It didn't deliver what I wanted it to. So that was City Tycoon. Okay. Next one, better than City Tycoon, is Albalonga. So this is a, a, you know, and I should say I played City Tycoon quite a bit recently. Albalonga is a game I've played recently. This is this game that Tasty Minstrel has, has brought to America, too. Uh, it's most recognizable because you roll these four oblong rectangular dice which is my first problem with the game because they do not roll well at all it's it's hard sort of hard to see what you rolled but half the time they end up land on their ends if you think of rolling like the cylinder you know and and they they basically stand tall and now you have to pick it up and roll it again so it's just kind of annoying but each color die corresponds to an area on the board and there's attack money building monuments there's a chapel there's a wild that every other turn you can use for this farming action. And, you know, basically, ultimately, you're just trying to have the most people and, and more monuments and such. So what the game, the thing that stands the game apart from others is the fact that you can attack your opponents, which is kind of different for a Euro game. Okay. But the, the problem is the mechanic for it, first of all, is you have a, a range of cards, you know, and again, I don't have the game, so I don't recall the exact delineations, but it's say it's a range one to six, something like that. 
you know, and I pick a four to attack you with this time, then you pick from your hand, and then that gets added to the number of people I committed. But this mechanic has been in a thousand games. I, it, it's very tired. It's just uncreative to me. There wasn't anything better that they could have come up with for the combat mechanic. The other, the other problem is when you're attacking somebody, you're basically doing it to deny them actions, but you have to use your guys to deny that other person actions. So you're wasting guys to deny them actions, and it all seems a little bit worthless. If if there's two players, there's this pseudo player in the middle that makes no sense to attack. You get just a marginal amount of, of money or food if you do. It seems better to attack the other player always. If there's multiple players, then you have that standard, you know, either everybody's ignoring him or everybody's ganging up on that guy. And at the end of the day, it's just, it was a really long game and the interaction wasn't anything interesting. It's basically a bland engine builder that's very repetitive and very long. The dice-based worker allowance mechanic, we'll call it, it's different, but you know, I, I don't even know if I'd call it novel. It's just, it's different, borderline interesting, but that does not carry the game in any way. Uh, I, you know, I talked about Principato having that innovative card mechanic. Right. That is a far better game than this because that that oh, at wow. least carries the game a bit, and you know, everything is sort of based around that and, and builds off it a little bit. I had the other problems with it, but in this one, that. The dice-based thing, yeah, everything is sort of around it, but again, just it comes off bland and repetitive. It's you know, just there aren't a lot of interesting choices, and 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 for being a two-hour game, and it's a two-hour game, and in fact, even when we played a two-player, it was a long, long game. Uh, so that's that's Abalanga. Okay. So better than Abalanga, one that showed up on Tanga recently, so it's bound to show up again. It's one thing I noticed about Tanga, right? right? <laughs> yeah, next week. Yeah, and every, everybody was kind of happy because they've had a couple new games now, and this was one of them, Ventura. Okay. So Ventura is a game I've played four or five times now. I've tried, this is one of the, the games I've tried real hard to like, because again, everything is, is right about it for me to like it. Uh, it's it's fantasy flight game, but there's uh, hexagonal tiles that are played around, and you're basically... Uh, moving uh, a fixed number of armies and taking control of areas, and, and ultimately you need to have the most victory points and such. Uh, but you have some army cards. That part kind of reminds me of Warrior Knights, and uh, you know there's there's a bunch of card play that's involved there. But basically the issue I had with the game was you can buy victory points. So you can buy seven victory points per turn. You play till 30. Okay. So in two turns, if I can buy seven per turn, in two turns I can buy myself halfway to victory for 14. Now, when I say buying victory points, I mean just because I have some money. So I don't have to move my armies on the board. I don't have to do really anything else except just buy the victory points. Uh, and I've, and in all of the games I played, in every one of them, this was fairly easy to do. So it, it ultimately became a game where if... Moving on the board, I can only move, you know, one territory, two territories per turn. So it takes a long time to kind of get stuff done that way. But yet I can buy myself halfway to to ending the game in two turns. You know, most armies tend to eliminate each other. You know, it's there's a lot of sort of attrition to it. I've got these guys, you've got these guys. You know, I kill them, you kill some of mine. 
there's a lot of impeded movement because of different things on the board. You might not even have choice of a of the right army cards or captains that you need, you know, to go after the the, the winning player, even with the optional rules as as they had them. So you know that that was just the problem I had with the game, and it's 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 hard to elaborate correctly in a shorter review. But the even the card decks themselves were not all that interesting. Uh, you know, there there wasn't a lot of variety in the troops and leaders, or just basically variances of the same four factors. The, there's another deck in the game, and you know, the, for the short duration that the game lasts, it wasn't that great. There's a couple approaches, you know, that that semi-break the game. I mean, one you could just keep trying to take territories every single turn. The, you know, the, there's the buying the victory points thing. Uh, sometimes it was coming up where it was too easy to just take control of these middle two, but it's whatever a player did, it just every time again the game just kind of felt wrong and it like it didn't play out the way that it was intended to. So it was back to my pet peeve of this was a game that was going to be great if everybody just put these artificial limits of you sort of have to play this way. And yeah, you could do that and it kind of breaks the game or the fun of the game anyway, but just don't do that. That felt too forced and and artificial for me. Uh, the, the combat, everything, the maneuvering just fell flat because it's too quick of a game. There was a rich get richer by buying a victory points, the dull troop variety and combat resolution. All that said, and again, I like this game so much that I actually, there was almost no activity on Board Game Geek around it. And I, I went and I thought, I read the rules maybe four times uh, carefully. And I noted down all these things in the rules that I thought, other players were doing wrong. And I've actually posted that file up on BoardGameGeek. It's the 10 things, 10 rules you've probably misinterpreted. I don't think anyone's challenged the uh, accuracy of it. So uh, I, I do think lots of others were playing the game wrong, and, and maybe maybe playing wrong was actually more enjoyable. I don't know. Because <laughs> there's quite a few things that I played wrong the, the first game, and then after I, I understood it better, I, I was playing more correctly. And, and long story short, if you're the type of person that likes to fiddle with a game and house rule a game, this would probably be an awesome purchase on Tanga because I, I still like the components. I love the idea of the game, but just as it is, it just is not good for me. And at 60 bucks or whatever I paid for it, there's no way I was keeping it at 30 or whatever it is on Tanga. If you don't mind tweaking stuff and playing around with something, eh, it might be worth it. So that's Ventura. Yeah, I remember looking at that game, and I was really surprised that there wasn't a lot more information about that game. You know, well, like you had said, it was it was the price point. I think retail it might have been eighty dollars or something like that. It was just wow. they they didn't advertise it enough, and for that heavy price point, they didn't get uh, you know even Tom Vassell never reviewed it. No, nobody really ever reviewed this. Right. Game that I, I think there may not even be a video review posted. Or... Actually, I'm looking at the. BGG page for it right now. There's two reviews mm-hmm. or two videos, one in Italian, one English. There you go. And then the English one is only an unboxing and uh, component breakdown. Yeah, I thought to do a video review for it, but it it's it seemed wrong to, for the only review to just be bad. Bad <laughs> shirt. <laughs> so because so, I it's this is one that I I don't rate all that well, but. I genuinely like wish the game well. I just I don't know. There's something about the game that I still I, like. This would be another game like Dungeon Run. I'd love to see come out with a second edition that just uses the components but adds a 
or maybe the classic FFG expansion that fixes the game, right? So yeah. it's never going to happen here because the game sold terribly. You can see that just by looking at the page. There's no activity. You know, two people own it, and I'm one of them. And right? it's on Tango. <laughs> yeah, it's on Tango. Well, you know, maybe they're just, you know, trying to gain some exposure that way. Or flush inventory. Yeah, I mean, that's what I, obviously it is in this case, but some have argued, like with Z-Man titles, that they just, it's it's really free advertising. So mm-hmm. uh, they, you know, oh, they, yeah. they're not necessarily putting all their copies up on Tanga. They might just, you know, offer 100, and when they're out, they're out, and, and you know, the deal's done with. So, uh, but what happens is when people research it, it goes to the top of the hotness, and now people end up ordering it for full price at exactly, somewhere yeah. else, right? Mm-hmm. So... Again, Ventura, if you like the house rule and and fiddle, if you're a game designer and you want to fix something, awesome, awesome game for that. If you want to play by the rules or even understand the rules, well, my guide might help a little bit, but I don't know. I'd probably pass. That's me. So next game I like even more than Ventura, 20th Century. There's a couple of these now, right? Couple, couple of what? 20th Century games? Oh, probably. Which... Which yeah. one? This is, is the this? the one from Rio Grande, and uh, Czech Games Edition. Okay. So this is a tile laying, another city builder tile laying game, that that came out 2010. Okay. I've played this one recently. I've probably played it about three times total, maximum four. Uh, the reason I, I wanted it in this list is because I wanted to give a game that I think is better than City Tycoon. So I, I don't particularly think 20th Century is all that great. It's somewhere in the middle range for me, but I do think it's it's better than City Tycoon. So if you're looking for the tile-laying city builder, I like 20th Century more. That said, this one has, instead of drafting, it has auctions. There's not a whole lot of player interaction besides the auction, where at least in City Tycoon, you were kind of potentially anyway passing the cubes around. The the problem I have with this game is in multiple times that I've played it, if there is a better player, and there often will be, once they win the better tile and start making more money, then really they, they have this easy ability to just keep outbidding you for the best tiles. And I would have preferred a game where the best tile is subjective, right? You know, you're playing one strategy, so these tiles are best for you. I'm playing a different one, so these tiles are best for me, and maybe there's some overlap. And I didn't really get that out of this game. So there's basically, there's recycling centers that you need to get rid of garbage that your other tiles generate, and the ones that have recycling centers or multiple recycling centers are generally clearly better, or otherwise there's just tiles that are a little more efficient, because if you just take tiles to take tiles you start generating more garbage than you can ever clean up. There is a neat mechanic in that you can take more tiles per turn, but they start it starts to negatively affect you. And then there's a mechanic where the first person to pass gets the first shot at a technology bonus tile, which that's kind of neat. But ultimately, after three-plus plays, there wasn't a lot of variety one game to the next. It wasn't as interesting as it could be. And this is another you know two-hour game, so wasn't great for me i was i was a bit bored uh, with it after it was a great game the first time or two just exploring how it works what it is after that found uh quickly disinterested next game is a game called cave evil have you heard of this one rob 
Yes, I have. So what do you know about this game? I know that you played it a couple weeks ago. <laughs> oh, is, uh, yeah, I was probably the one who mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. So Cave Evil is a game that came out uh, this year, well, 2011, I, you know, by the time stuff's available and stuff like that, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I haven't really heard much of this game except when you talked about it. Well, I only played it once, so this is very much a first impression. But I'm giving my opinion because this was on a short list of games because of hype, because I, I love dungeon crawlers, and because I love sort of the thought about an old school vibe. I really wanted to get the game, or at least play the game. There was only 500 even ever printed, so it was a very limited print run. At the end of the day, so this game was just mediocre for me, or I'm, I won't say indecisive. I mean, I mean, I'm pretty indecisive, given I've only played it one time. But uh, decisive enough to know that it's not a game I need to go out and buy, own, or even trade for. Oh, wow. So part of that is, and this will be a compliment to the game, I think the game does do the theme very well, which is a sort of death metal, you know, I don't really want to say worship the devil, but it, it really does sort of have that vibe. I mean, I, I'm usually not offended by art, and I'm and I wasn't here. <laughs> uh, pretty much no art that would offend me, but there's, you know, it's trends towards disturbing, we'll say, right? You know, if, so (laughs) put a different way, if, if somebody made a game where there was a bunch of decapitated, uh, photographs and those were the cards, right? And it's like, oh, you, you decapitated, you know, so-and-so and and here's the, you know, actual picture from, you know, some internet site that we licensed or something. I don't know that I would be the guy that gets all up in arms and boycotts the game or something, but right. I still wouldn't like it being in my game. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I don't really want to see that. I don't, you know, it's not my thing is kind of what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Um, and so, yeah, this artwork, if that's your thing, you're going to love it. I mean, it's downright awesome for that. Right. But it's not, you know, it wasn't the, really the kind of music I was into. It seems like even if you were, right, you're still going to be into it now. I don't know. If that's your thing, you've probably already bought it. You've already sought it out. It's already on your wish list, and nobody's going to talk you down from it. (laughs) This is, in a very uh, Star Trek fleet captain sort of way, a way of talking down the rest of you guys, right? If the theme isn't your thing, it may not be quite what it's cracked up to be. So for me, there definitely was the old school mechanic vibe, which is why some others liked it. For me, though, that didn't work either because there's a reason why I don't play a lot of those old games, Avalon Hill or otherwise, anymore. And you know, it's because gaming's moved beyond that. And here, the mis- mishmash of that, where it's this old school stuff, and then there's some new stuff with the cards, and and then there's even like a, almost like a little pick up and deliver thing. I, I, it just, I don't know that I like the way that it all came together. And in a dungeon run sort of way, and it's my fault, I tried to break it at one point, but again, there's sort of this way you're supposed to play the game. But at the end of the day, you know, one thing that was really cool about it is you get to dig tunnels through the board. And I've always liked that. I I, I played a game, an Avalon Hill game, years ago called Starship Troopers. Well, there was actually more than one by Evelyn Hill, but the but the one I'm talking about was one where well, there was three factions in the games, but in generic terms, you would basically play the Marines, and there were humanoids, but then the other faction was the uh, Arachnids. Instead of being like a straight up combat game or tactical, you know, war game, we'll call it, 
the arachnids actually built secret tunnels on a, on a piece of paper instead of on the real board where the majority of every everything else was. And so then you were moving your guys on the secret secret tunnels and building the, you know the tunnels secretly. That's cool, right? That's what I thought of, and I I don't like that experience in the game, right? I don't I don't want to be playing a game and and have it remind me of how cool another game is, right? I'm I'm not going to confuse my enjoyment at that reminder for enjoying the game I'm playing at the moment, right? I I wanted to ring true of that maybe, but then bring something new to it, not not remind me ah. Yeah, I need to go get that game, that other game, and play that game and enjoy that game instead. So that's that's what Cave Evil was for me. And the other thing, beyond the weird sort of pick up and deliver ish, you know, well, really it's what it is is there's some resources that you buy cards with, but you can discard cards that you get and get resources that way too. And so there was this weird thing, and I typically don't like games that do this, where there was, and I'm going to get it wrong now, but I want to say. F- it was either four or five decks of cards. I want to say five, but in each deck, rather than being sort of a unique thing, is is just a mixture of stuff. And now one trends more heavy this way, and the other you know trends heavier that way. But I usually prefer when this deck is this, and that deck is that, and this deck is that, and there's still variety within there within that category. It's, it's less random, we'll say. Right, I'm choosing. I want this type of card, and I might get a better one of those or a worse one of those, but I'm I'm still choosing that type of card, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So if you take anything from this commentary, can't call it a review in this case, but first impressions review. If the theme isn't your thing, think twice before you blow a hundred dollars plus on it. That's all. Well, it sounds like probably not many people are even have the chance to buy this thing. Well, exactly, unless you're willing to spend 100 dollars or whatever this is going to end up costing once a couple people turn it over. Yeah. And I haven't looked at what it costs, so I know there aren't even any listed on the marketplace today, so that just tells you how hard it is to get a copy. Oh, yeah. So, that's 500 copies worldwide. Having said that, though, again, it basically gets the same rating as Star Trek Fleet Captains, which in BGG terms is a perfect five. So that's the level at which I'm not actually saying it's a bad game, Right. I'm not I just it's a game I'm not going to seek out playing I'm happy to play somebody else's copy. I did say one other thing I think worth mentioning is this is a game that really follows the old school rules of everyone playing it, in my opinion, should read the rule book. It's not a game that should be taught. And, you know, in the in the war game world, that's how a lot of games are played. Right. You would you don't show up and somebody teaches you 50 pages of rules. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Or at least. I don't know how you would ever digest that. You know, you you the players read the rules ahead of time. Now, as the first, as not having played it before, you probably forget three quarters of it, but you now at least have a foundation as you're playing or being taught some things that you're going to, oh, okay, yeah, I remember reading about that. Or uh, you can connect some dots because you have some foundation of understanding. This rule book is, is fairly lengthy for a dungeon crawler and... Uh, maybe needlessly so. I don't. I didn't. In looking up the couple of things I needed to look up, I wasn't able to find them. Not having read the rules before and having the game taught to me. So the other thing is everything being in black and white. If you're not into the theme, is really annoying. Everything in the game is in black and white, and it, it makes yeah. things hard to distinguish. 
Also, for the price of the game, there's these little paper stand-ups that are your figures. And, uh, you know, fine, they're not plastic miniatures or even cardboard chits. But for a little piece of folded paper, you would think they would include a little plastic stand that you could stick it in. Because otherwise, it kind of flattens out over time, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. So, moving along, a game I like more than Cave Evil, Power Grid for Sparks. Freedom on Freeze game. Yes. Right. Now this was this is Power Grid Light, which is one of the reasons why I thought this game might work great for me because my wife doesn't enjoy Power Grid on a daily basis. Not to say she doesn't like playing it, but a it doesn't play two players all that great. One thing the robots might fix, but I haven't tried that yet. Right. And and b you know not every night you're in the mood to do all the math that's involved in the complex shuffling of the cards and it's, you know it's. A, a decent amount to remember. And if somebody else is doing it for you, it's all the more offensive because if you can't follow how it's supposed to be done, then you don't know how to make the best choices in the game, right? So you really kind of need to understand it yourself if you're going to play the game and do well at it, in, in my opinion. Uh, same thing with how the, the different markets and such refill with energy. If, if you don't understand that, you're not going to play the game as well. So you need to kind of remember all of that stuff. That's really one of the games that you kind of, if you're going to play it, then you need to play it a bunch of times over a shorter duration so that you remember all that stuff. Uh, Unfortunately, it's a game, it has a bunch of different maps, so there's some variety in that. But again, for my wife, she's just not going to want to do that that many days in a row. So anyway, that's the foundation for why I thought First Sparks would work. That said, we both didn't find First Sparks to be all that interesting, and it was almost really did play as a dumbed-down version of Power Grid. There wasn't much strategy to it. If you start near fish, you try to get a fish card. If someone's in your way to getting mammoths, but not in your way to getting bears, you get bears, right? Right. And maybe by looking at what other players do, you change you know, what you do a little bit, or you're trying to place next to more than one because you get this little bonus. But there's also this thing where you, you kind of want to not have the largest clan, but you know, ultimately that's how you win. Is, is having the largest clan, which is the other thing that kind of, I, I don't know, we didn't really like that in, in our plays because it, it came down to too close of a difference. Uh, you know, the other thing I should mention is no one ever runs out of food or money. We've never run out of food or money, not even on our very first play. So there, there was never this sort of, you know, there was never this tenseness there, right? There's a, a random factor to the card draw where, okay, you do start by fish, but, you know, None of the fish cards even come out, or especially in a two-player game or a three-player game where there's where there's less cards. And again, going back to the winning thing, when when winning at 13 to 15 points comes down in in every game we played by one point by one tribe, then to think that you know that card draw or, or having maybe the better version of that card, it didn't come up or it did come up, that that right there could be that that point that was the whole difference in the game. So. So you kind of have to take the game not all that seriously, but yet it's kind of set up like you do because it's this whole bidding process. Bidding itself is counterintuitive because you're putting up the one you don't want. And now, and this works actually worse with more players because you could go through this whole long cycle before you even get a card. Uh, I, I, I almost like the way it works with two players better because with two players, you just put up a card and, and again, it's, it's almost this game of of chicken because you go well i think he wants this card so i'll put it up thinking he'll take it so then i can put up the card i really want or i'm going to put this one up for bait thinking he's going to 
think I want it, and therefore it's all ripe to him, so he'll just take it so I can't have it, but it's not the one I really wanted. Or maybe I just put up the one I want, knowing he's not going to want it, that type of thing. So I almost liked it better with two players. I felt there was almost more control and and at least a choice, where with with more players, to me, that part that mechanic fell apart. I didn't like it so much. And I, I really didn't think it even simplified anything. Uh, it you know took away the good part without adding anything new of value. The other thing is the board layout doesn't have a whole lot of value uh, because yeah there, I mean there's a mountain that adds a little bit of cost. If there's other people there, it costs more to place there. But I mean, where you go just doesn't seem to really matter that much at the end end of the day. It, it's it's mostly obvious and there's really no point about thinking about it beyond that. And so then when you get right down to it. What you have is a game that feels fun to play the first couple times. I mean, it really, really did and until you realize what you're doing, which is every single phase is, okay, refill the market, draw cards, rearrange cards, add, remove bonus tokens, throw out the lowest card, end of round, throw out the highest card and redraw, refill fish, produce, consume, pay for cards, remove for food spoilage. These are all scripted actions in the game. They're not. This is just. This is just what you're doing. You're just following through these motions. You're, there's really not any decisions in that. Your only decisions are spatially where you place your guys, which I already said is pretty much obvious most of the time, and then the choosing of the card. That's it. It's really that's that's all there is. Even even the different animals and stuff. At the end of the day, it's just money in different quantities. So you can pay with mammoths or pay with fish, it makes no difference. They're just worth different values, and you, you actually get change in fish by spending your, your mammoths, as if that makes any sense, right? Okay. This is one that starts out really good, or like the first game or two, but then really kind of rapidly goes downhill as we realize there's just not a, a lot to decide. You think it might be a good introduction to Power Grid for people that have never played? Because you're coming at it from the other direction. You played Power Grid, then you went to this. How about if somebody never played Power Grid? They went with first Sparks, and then they said, hey, it's, this mechanic's pretty cool, and then they go to the next level. It would be a rough gateway game, because I I think the card thing, again, being counterintuitive, it would get upsetting to newer players. I suppose, uh, you know, I mean, that said, I, I, again, Race for the Galaxy Power Grid, I don't know why these come up as gateway games or, or not. Nobody really calls them a gateway game, but whenever somebody says, oh, hey, what, you know, I've got two games, what three games should I get first? Someone always says Race for the Galaxy and Power Grid, and I really think both of those are excellent examples of games that are great games. I don't maybe like either one of them as much as most people do, but I won't argue they're good games and a lot of people like them. I just think they're terrible games to have new people try. Race for the Galaxy because of the iconography, Power Grid because of tracking how all the cards move and just the complexities of the the numerical stuff, the the energy stuff. It's just way too much. Oh, absolutely. Uh, So that said... I, as a gateway between gateway games and that, perhaps. But I, I also wonder if you were already there, if you're already past gateway games, I, I think you probably could skip all the way to Power Grid. You know, I don't know if, if you need these games that are just okay games. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I think I would be trying to sell the experience more, right? I, I don't, I'm, I'm not there to train them how to be a proper Euro gamer. 
I'm there to convince them by the fun they're having and playing the game and playing it more than once too. A lot of games I can play one time and I know whether I love or hate it. There's a different category of game and this was one of them where I play it once and I have no idea. And I really have to play it more times to form an opinion. And and this was a game the first time I played it, I, I thought much more fondly of it. And I thought I was going to find more to it. But further plays confirmed that there wasn't any more to it. So listeners can look through my reviews. There's a lot of simple games that I love and I rate very highly. So I'm in no means disliking this game from the Euro snob approach of, you know, I only play complicated, heavy or medium heavy Euros. Great. And hey, this game is still better than uh, seven other games I've listed today <laughs> true so and plenty more as i as i rate them under my new system on bgg so i have a tough time recommending this so i mean if you have power grid already there's no way you want this game and unless as you are rob you just collect all things friedman freeze yes <laughs> then for having the complete collection sure i like the wooden bits they're kind of cool if you if you're scared of power grid and you're ready for something you know the next step from you know, the ticket to rides and such for a couple of plays, you know, if it definitely, if, if you can play this game and you can follow this game, then yeah, you're probably ready for power grid. So it, it might be good for that. Uh, but I don't think it's a game that's going to stay in, in that person's collection, right? They're going to, you're either going to like it or you don't, and, and you're going to get rid of it. And then you either move on to full power grid or you don't. Right. So that's power grid first sparks. Next one up is a game called Sun, Sea, and Sand. As compared to the last game, I actually like this one uh, a whole lot more. I struggle with whether or not I even wanted to get rid of this game or not. Ultimately, it's a game that some I've played with haven't liked. Uh, it's a game that playing it two-player was deeply dissatisfying. However, that said, I personally really enjoyed the game when I played with uh, 4 and 5. And uh, this is another import that I got uh, quite a while back uh, when it was first available as an import through Game Surplus, I think it was. You know, really what this is, is I, I bought this game right after I bought a, a game called Hotel Samoa. And I'll, I'll save my thoughts on that game for another episode. But uh, this is another game that's uh, themed around a tropical island the, the neat mechanic in the game is you, it's worker placement, but different areas of the island cost different number of turns for your worker. So if you do one action, your worker is out of commission for three turns. If you do another one, it's two turns, and another you know another one, it's one. So you have to weigh that carefully because you know if you've if you've got X number of workers, you're not going to have that many next turn if you put them on these other tasks. And I really found that kind of neat. And I, and I hadn't, at the time, I hadn't seen that in any other game. The other thing is you see these boats that are coming in, and they have different types of tourists on them. So there's the overweight tourist, there's the uh, swimmer skinny tourist, there's the uh, sunbather, and then there's the sports fanatic, right? Okay. And, and what you're basically doing is then you're building different attractions in, at your uh, resort to try to attract those tourists. And, and really what it is color, you know, red to red, blue to blue. So you could kind of claim paste it on theme. But what's neat about it is you see the entire game's worth of boats at the beginning of the game. So you know, even to the ex end of the game, what the combination is going to be of tourists that are coming to the island. You know, they've all booked in advance, basically, or right. put an intent to book in advance, right? They've signed up that they're going. 
because then what you do is one of the things you can do is is officially take that booking by placing one of your workers and claiming them. And so typically you you wouldn't want to do that eight turns out because then you wouldn't have the guy for eight turns, but you might do it a turn or two out. And as the game gets towards the end, you're, you you kind of snag them out longer. Then the the other neat mechanic is the length of stay is based upon the number of matching colored attractions. So you go get that, uh, and it's so uh, stereotypical bad, right? You know, where it's like the the fat guy, the overweight guy. You you know you put in the the buffets and <laughs> you know stuff that appeals to that type of tourist. And, and so the more of those things you have, they stick around extra turns. So normally when you when you get this tourist in your resort he'll just leave the next turn you know you get your money for him and, he, and he's gone but if you have this these other attractions that match up with him in color then he'll stick around one turn for this one one turn for the next one and so on it kind of builds nicely that way i've only said good things right so far yeah and and my my view of the game is actually on the towards the positive end the the problems with the game for me is it's another one where I should say first I really really enjoyed my first couple of plays so again as compared to Power Grid where I said I enjoyed it but I was kind of indecisive no I loved my first plays of this game uh, with the right player count didn't care for two player at all but with the right player count fours and fives really really loved it but as I played it more and by more I mean even like the fourth or fifth time every game basically played the same you you have to start the same way every player in fact has the same first turn where they they build these uh little tiki huts where where the guests stay and there's also this random mechanic with this backpacker that moves around uh sort of randomly it really feels tacked on and random and swings some points for no particular person and there's a sign element where you can build more signs and that's supposed to as he moves you know he stays on your board longer but it doesn't end up mitigating that. So basically what happens is of of the few actions you can take, two of them are fairly pointless or scripted. The one where it's the attractions that you're building, again, who cares if it's a a, a water tube slide or a, a buffet that's it's basically just a red tile and a blue tile. There's also this gimmicky thing where if you place them staggered on your board, you score bonus points for creating parks in between and Again, ultimately, uh, you know, I might do a better job and I score th- four points and you score three. So great. You know, I, I got one extra point. It just, I, I was loving the game because of that unique mechanic. And, you know, now I've said that a couple of times here, Alba Longa, Principato, Sun, Sea, and Sand. I really, really like it. But again, at the end of the day, because it doesn't play too well, it's a game I'm going to have to bring with me. And therefore, I call that championing the game. Given that it's playing out similar one time to the next, it's just going to sit on my shelf for the next three, four years. Right. So it's a reluctant, I'm parting with it, but I think I'm, I'm going to pass this one along. That's Sun, Sea, and Sand. Okay. Next game that I like even more than that is a, kind of a diversion from the, 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 the type of games we've been talking about. It's a game called Victory Lost, A Victory Lost. This is, by all definitions, a war game. But yes, it is. It is by Multiman Publishing. And I'm I'm really surprised to see this on your list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so high. So high? Okay. Yeah. Here's why. I, and here's why I wanted to talk about this game. So okay. all these other games that get billed as light war games, whether it's Nexus Ops or Memoir, 
whatever it is, I'm not offended as a lot are, oh, those aren't war games. Fine. Yeah, they're war-themed games. I have no problem with that. But if someone is really looking to experience what, in my view, and in what a lot of people's view is a proper war game, but you want that first war game, then a victory lost, I don't think there could possibly be a better choice than this one. And and so when I say that, here's the reasons. So first of all, extremely well-written rules. By that I mean most war games use a, a programmed format for reference. This one has lots of illustrations, lots of pictures, right? Examples. It's brief enough, uh, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to ten pages. So it's not a real complex game, especially for a war game. But it has a CRT of sorts, anyway, zones of control, which is, you know, where a unit exerts influence in the, the hexes around it. Of course, I should just say it has hexes. Supply lines, which is the logistics part. There's um, It's a modern take on all of that, though. There's this activation chip pulling system that you use, which is classic war game definition, exactly what makes it awful. But it's, it's very ingenuitive, the way they do this, uh, maybe even ingenious. And the other thing that's perfect about this game, which is exactly why some won't like it, uh, is it's extremely asynchronous sides. And what that ends up in, in a lot of war games, what happens is, the operational ones, as they're called anyway, is it's a lot of push-pull. I, I push you back a hex, you push me back a hex, I move, you know, it, it, minor little jockeying of position, and you're basically adding up factors and modifiers and rolling dice, right? That's okay. that's not really at all how this one plays out. Because the Russians are so much stronger, you start out basically just annihilating the Germans, and you're pushing them back. So you're doing a lot of movement on the map. And then at a certain point, they kind of get pushed together, let's say, and then they, you know, get reinforcements and such, and they counter-strike. And so that's what the game's about. I, I think another reason why it works good as a, as, a, as a first light war game, because you really get to experience why zones of control matter, why uh, the logistics matter, and the same way that Euro gamers enjoy pushing around cubes and adding up numbers and such, really a light war game has those same elements in different ways. So you're adding up factors. You know, okay, I've got four attack and four, you know, so I've got 12 against your six, so that's two to one. That's the sort of CRT part of it. You have a supply line, so basically you're just tracing back units to, you know, a friendly this or that, right? Uh, I can cut them off by trying to circle around, and that's the exerting the zone of control thing. And I, I think it highlights all of that well. Part of the reason why I don't rate it better than I do is because it's a game where, because it is so asynchronous, most of the time, if I'm, if I'm playing the Russians, I'm just creaming the Germans and the German player gives up. <laughs> So you have to kind of understand that that's how it's supposed to go. So not unlike maybe uh, the Martin Wallace game, A Few Acres of Snow, if you're introducing someone to the game, you probably should play the Germans, let them play the Russians. They're going to love the game because they're going to think they're doing so great, <laughs> right? They're just mm -hmm. annihilating all your guys, pushing you back, turn after turn after turn, and then that counter-strike happens. And if they haven't done a good enough job at that, and if you haven't, hung all your units out there and, and let them be destroyed, ultimately you'll you probably still end up winning. It's a, it's a game I, I, I want to explore. The other There's some other games in the system. 
I, I'd love to go back and play this one. It's definitely a positive review, but it's on the low end of my scale just because I parted with my copy. You can play it on Vassal, and, and while I'm talking about Vassal, have, have you ever played anything on Vassal, Rob? I've tried. Yeah. yeah, that's probably, I guess, where I would say I was the first 84 times I tried. <laughs> but eventually... Well, maybe it would have been different on the 85th. Well, it is. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. you got to just stick with it. So the 85th yeah. time, it's it's worth it. And you know what it is? It's, it's not a problem with Vassal. It really isn't. It's a problem with the way the modules are done. Absolutely. And so this is another reason why I wholly recommend a victory lost. I have never seen a better done module. Even if you say this game is too complicated for you, which, you know, at eight or ten pages, well, I, I've played Euro games that are far longer rules than that and, and poorly worded. But the Vassal implementation, you click a button, it shows you all of the supply. Highlight, you know, what's in supply, what's not in supply, where the zones of control are, where the rail lines go. You know, it, it so well keeps track of everything that it almost plays like the rules were enforced. Of course, they're not, but it's really, you know, the charts are right there. Everything you need is kind of right there. It was really a well-done module. And, and this was one where, because of that, I was willing to go and explore Conflict of Heroes and other Vassal modules that I probably wouldn't have bothered with otherwise. So, again, uh, just another reason why it's a good game to start with, because you can you could buy this game or just play it online for the first time, and uh, it's one of the better modules and one of the better games. They are talking about republishing or reprinting it. It's, it is out of print, so it's going to be yeah. pricey to get into the neighborhood of... I mean, I sold my... I had a, a Ziploc version. They'd run out of boxes. I, I think I sold mine for maybe $30. So there's those versions floating around that aren't too much. The full boxed one's probably closer to 60 or 70 but war games tend to be those ranges anyway a lot of times. So I think this one's worth it. And if you didn't like it, it's you know you turn it around, right? Or play it online first, if you can get a, a hold of the rules. Unfortunately, MMP doesn't tend to like to publish those online like GMT does. So that's a victory lost. Next game is Last Will from Rio Grande Games. I okay. fully confess to having played this only once, just a couple days back, and yet I still rate it higher than all the games I've mentioned. Oh, wow. <laughs> so far, anyway. We still have two more to go. The reason is... Because I, you know, this is one where I just really see what some of the others out there have been talking about. Uh, you know, it's a fairly simple game, but at the end of the day, it's it has that feeling of some uniqueness. So you're basically you're trying to uh, instead of making the most money, you're trying to get rid of all your money, right? You're trying to lose all your money, which again seems like that would be difficult to get in your head, right? And it mm-hmm. is, you know, for the first turn or some, you know, turn or two maybe, but but it, it's easily, you know, a couple turns in, you kind of get what's going on, get what you're supposed to do. Yeah. But at the same time, you have this tableau of cards that you play in front of you, you know, maybe like London, but yet the game is a lot more approachable than that. There are a, a couple of different decks, and each one definitely has a, a theme to it in terms of like these are this one one of them's dogs and horses right and that type of thing and one of them's people and one of them's properties and farms uh, exactly what I didn't like about Cave Evil right this this game does right uh, and and so then your choices is is in that but you might get what you need or you might not get exactly but you're still choosing within those types there's a board where you where you play on and uh, the, the way the cards interact are together and chain is 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 interesting 
but yet again simpler simple enough approachable enough there's some economics to the game there's card play Uh, again it just it really seemed to do everything right i like to come away from a game feeling like i know what i'm going to do next time different that's going to improve my game and at the same time i can see that in the next time after that i i could do this other thing and the next time after that i could try this other strategy and the next time after that you know and i already have five games worth of ideas for what i want to try or experiment with to see how it plays out in the game you know it's it's really not a gateway game perhaps but you know it's one that i could play with my wife it's one that i could play with medium to medium heavy gamers you know right the, the i wouldn't call it a gamers game either but it's it's comfortably stretches a large range of that middle category okay which is a perfect game to own right it's uh, it also it happens to play well with two that's what i played it with so if it plays great with two well it doesn't even matter if it plays better with more but wouldn't that be great if it did as much as i liked it with two great now i play it with more it's even better now there's even more occasions where I can play it. So I, I see it as a game that'll actually get played. If it's on my shelf, I'll play a two-player. I can bring it out with me. It was really a wow for me. I was, I really, I, I had kind of dismissed it because the theme's not one for me. The artwork, I, you know, I didn't care for. There was just a whole lot of man, eh, you know, about about all of my initial impressions towards it. And there even wasn't a whole lot of buzz about this game. I mean, there was just like a little bit of chatter, but initially, no, kind of snuck in. Yeah, you know? but but now as some of the reviews have come out, there's a lot of, or you know, at least the people that I sort of talk with or, or uh, follow uh, have all said positive things about it. So it's mm-hmm. it's uh, after even just one play, it's already on my. It'll be on my next order. Uh, I'll be purchasing the game. So I would expect. Uh, so that's why I'm confident in, in, in arranging it in tonight's lineup because it only has the potential to go up. So uh, last will. Okay. So second to last game, a uh, game we've talked about before. So I don't have a whole lot to add to that, but just to say that I like it more than all of the games that we've talked about tonight. Hive. Wow. I really do. And the reason is because I've had this game for ages and ages and ages and Again, when I talk about the type of game that I can just play with anyone, I mean, like, I played this with my, my dad, who, you know, who doesn't play any games. I play this with my wife. I've played this with people at a bar. I've played this with heavy gamers, the, the heaviest of gamers, right? It's, it's approachable, but at the same level, it can play out a lot like chess, where you could really, you know, you know the better player really kind of should always win and so forth I, I i i like the bugs i like the bake like tiles yeah only reason i don't score it a perfect score is because I, I find the base game now after who knows how many dozens and dozens and dozens of plays uh, and i don't want to use the word boring or repetitive because that that sounds negative here but i prefer a little more variety which now the expansions have added and that's what we talked about in the past of how good both expansions were. And I really would never have expected that they could do that twice, that there would be a piece to add to the game that I would say, I like this piece. I, I want to play with this piece. This adds something to the game. That and I Those enjoy. were the ladybug and the mosquito, right? Exactly. Yep. And now I, I would really basically wouldn't play without them. And that pushes it much closer to the perfect score with those. But, you know, kind of rating the game by itself, it's, it's you know, there's still not every occasion that I want to play it or, or that sort of thing. But I like the game. I like the game a lot. I used to play chess in 
in high school for some years anyway. And that's a game where at a certain point, it's all scripted and memorized. And I don't, I just don't feel like I've got to that point with Hive if there is that point where, okay, it's this exact arrangement. So you always do this or, and he always does that. You know, there, there's definitely some rules to it, but it's back to that, that word satisfying. It just plays out so satisfyingly <laughs> great, right? Where it's high volitious. Yeah. And of course, you know, it helps, you know, if you're playing a first time player, but you know, my, my dad's a smart person. So, I mean, even playing him for the first time, I've played 50 times he's never played. And, you know, is he going to see that there's a way to, 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 to sneak the queen out, you know, so I can't capture it type of thing or, mm-hmm. um, you know, if I if if he if he moves this piece and now he's freed up that right and that locking of pieces type of thing uh, is is just neat. So Hive, big fan. Yeah, it's yeah, a very interesting game. I've tried to teach this game once to my father-in-law, and I was really surprised. I mean, I've never had this reaction before, but uh, he just had some kind of issue with the pieces he could not wrap his head around the, the movement and it's i mean he's he plays chess and just got a whole bunch of chess sets granted they're all in display cases so maybe it's more decoration <laughs> than yeah. it is a gaming thing but that's what it would yeah. be for me if i had one of those i i i'll play it occasionally but you yeah. know i've kind of kind of been there done that type of thing so it was interesting where, I mean, we played maybe for about 20 minutes and then the game, the game just kind of self-destructed where he's like, ah, I can't, and he locked up and just the frustration took over. How, how can it not make sense? Like, well, with the cricket, you just jump. The cricket jumps. Yeah, the cricket This guy goes jumps, around. So. This guy goes around. Ladybug, answer fast, this. right? Yeah, answer fast. Beatles climb yeah. up stuff. Like you said, he's played chess, so mm, I don't know. So I, I thought it was going to be a natural fit. Yeah, one would have thought. Yeah, and it, and it and it really, I think Hive does would appeal to chess players. I, I, oh, absolutely. I, I get that vibe from it myself as a, as a chess player, as, tournament as chess I, player. Because I know sometimes you just sit there at the, you know, it, it really reminds me of how I would sit there and well, stare the, at a chessboard. The thinking, kind of comp- the, the thinking ahead part too, because you, you do, and I, and this was where I would sometimes fail. I would think ahead in chess, you know, 10 moves, you know, well, I'm going to go there and that's going to force him to do that. And then I'll do, and, and he's going to have to play it out exactly as I have it for 10 moves. And then I win, even though I've sacrificed like three pieces because there's this really cool, complicated thing I thought out in my head. And then of course the first move, he does something totally different that I didn't see. And I go, Oh, Damn. <laughs> there went that whole 15 minutes of wasted effort but you know hive in a way because it's a little more focused you you could you can actually do that a little bit more correctly i think and, and really think ahead at least several plays to where you have that that and, and it's then it's kind of neat to just see somebody fall into that trap it is a game where if i'm playing somebody not as good as me by a long stretch i still enjoy every play and it's not because i'm winning or or beating them i just i just really enjoy the choices in the game so yeah and i and i don't mind losing with any game and this one included so okay well so then there's only one game left let me uh review real quick what built up to this in the board gamers dozen and what i'll do is i will give you in bgg terms the rating so rated at one lcr by georgian company originally 2007's the the common year 1983 the original 
Rated at 2, Heroes of Graxia, Petroglyph 2010. Rated at a 3, City Tycoon from Rebel.pl 2011. Rated at a 3.5, Albalanga, Quinn Games 2011, also Tasty Minstrel. Fantasy Flight Games Ventura is a 4. That's also Stratalibri 2011. Rated at a 4.5, 20th Century from Czech Games Edition and Rio Grande Games, put out in 2010. Cave Evil rings in at a 5. Emperors of Eternal Evil, love that name, is who put that out in 2011. Power Grid First Sparks at a 5.5, Rio Grande Games, 2011. A 6.5 for Sun, Sea, and Sand from Kowali, 2010. A solid 7 for Victory Lost, Multiman Publishing, put out in 2006. Last Will gets an 8, that's Chex Games Edition and Rio Grande Games as well, 2011. Hive gets a 9, that's Gen 4 2, 2001. And the best game of the Board Gamers Dozen. Drumroll, please. Drumroll. With a perfect 10. Wow. Yes. Tigris and Euphrates, revised second edition from HIG slash Mayfair Games, 2008, originally 1997. Yeah, I really like that game. <laughs> now, we, didn't we play that, Rob? Yes, yes, we did. Yeah. You know, I have to say, even though I listed the revised edition that was put out in 2008, because that's the one I own, I've rarely even needed to use the expansions, and which is even a, a the best probably example of a good game is when I have I have a game I can rate a perfect 10, I have expansions for it, and I don't feel the need to even use them. So the uh, the revised ex- edition adds some things that aren't in any of the online varieties. There, uh, basically, in addition to the monuments, there's other things that you can build based on other patterns instead of the classic two by two pattern. Uh, there's also a variant board on the flip side that you can play, which has a, a different arrangement and and so forth. So I actually have played that variant board once or twice, but I have not played with the additional uh, building pieces ever. Uh, I'm probably lying about that too. I, I think I probably did play that once. So. In, in any case, what I love about the game is it's, it's first of all, it's tile laying, which I'm a fan of, but there's a lot of player interaction. There really is just tons and tons and tons and tons of it, and it's meaningful, right? He played there, I'm going to play here, I'm, I'm, we're going to, I'm going to take his over, he's going to fight me back with these tiles from his hands, I'm going to play these tiles. Uh, there is that combat where we talked about Alba Longer, or, you know, type of type of combat in a Euro, and and that was unsatisfying for me. Well, this is combat in a Euro that's very satisfying, right? This is player interaction that's very satisfying. The 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 choices are meaningful. The the randomness is not unmanageable, right? You draw random tiles from a bag, but you can absolutely adapt to that. If nothing else, and you draw a lot of the same, you can, you know, build a monument with it, or you can always pitch them back and and get replacements. So. Well, so you played it, Rob. What did you think of it? I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm really looking forward to playing it again uh, after our initial play. It was when uh, I first kind of met up with a game group that you were uh, playing with at the time. The rules are a little weird with the, what do you call them, internal-external conflicts. Yeah, you know, and so to be fair, this is one of those games that some people playing for the first time will hate, hate, and for the reason you just mentioned, because it's 
especially if you're not playing with somebody that's experienced, understanding the difference between internal and external conflict, even with the examples and, and the rules, and, and it, it can be a little bit the process uh, because they're very different, but they seem similar, like the same thing. And until you play, and ah, so that's what internal is versus external. Really hard to follow that when you're reading, no matter how well the example is laid out. Oh, yeah. The the other thing that's sort of counterintuitive is you score, and I actually think it just works beautifully in this game. It's, it fails in so many others, but you score based on uh, the number of cubes you take, but in the color that you took the least of, right? So right. if you take th- th- crazy numbers, but you took, let's say you took 30 black and you took 22 blue and you took 17 uh, red, then if you have one green, that's your score at the end of the game. Yep. And so then you're trying to balance all of that. And so there, which is another reason, I suppose, if, if, if you played with players that were just totally doing random weird things, they could potentially hand other players too many tiles type of thing. But in all the games I've played, even with new players, it's really never happened to where I thought it swayed the game. And it's really because of that, because it would have to be of this particular color at this right point in time when they weren't otherwise trying to get it anyway. So it makes no sense to try to keep annihilating somebody just to get more of what you already have. You're trying to get what you don't have. And there's multiple ways to do that. There's also wild tiles that you can get, and then you can kind of count those as the color you have the least of. And there's these monuments that are built that then generate that color every turn. So now you're getting a a red and a blue cube every turn so you can focus on doing the other ones in a more manual way at the same time where you're at on the board is how you earn that so even though you built that monument somebody else can can drop in and take over and now they're getting the income so you can't just build it if you can't defend it Uh, or if you do you're kind of risking that you're like well they're sitting pretty over there and this guy i think is kind of going a different direction because he already seems like he took a lot of black so I'm going to go ahead and convert the tiles that would otherwise defend it into this monument. And there's just a lot of interesting choices. And I think the more you play it, the more you start to build an appreciation for just the, the real depth of the game. And I just don't tire of it. And, and I had decided to pick this game this week for this Board Gamers Dozen. And before I was going to rate it a 10, I, you know, I had to go back and play it again. And and I, f- I thought for sure, because it has been, you know, I think the last time was when I played it with you, Rob, and that was got to be six months ago or something like that. That was longer than so, that. Yeah. yeah, so it's been a while. Uh, well, to be fair, I, I have the iOS app, so I guess I've played it a couple times there. But in any case... It doesn't count. Yeah, I went back, played it, and I was like, well, it's going to at least lose half a point, right? I mean, no, no. Still loved it. <laughs> Still love it. And, and under my new system... Tens are not temporary. Tens are not uh, first impressions. Tens are not third impressions. The game really has to work to earn that. And so not likely this one is is dropping anytime soon. It would really have to be some miracle game that came out, did everything this one did, but somehow better, uh, right. maybe themed better. Cause, you know, because at the end of the day, this isn't the best themed game, but it oh, works. It's... So. The, the theme basically is totally pasted on. Yeah. I mean, it's... Well, it's I, I, yeah. I, I won't argue. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not that... I mean, I'm not a... It's, co- it's colored tiles and colored yeah. cubes at the end of the day, yes. Yes. 
Yes. I mean, they could totally be just, you know, a grid on the map with nothing else on it and yeah. <laughs> just cubes and tiles. But, you know, the, and the artwork is decent. Yeah, I, I particularly, nice I think it, it got a little bit better in this recent edition. Yeah. So, Tigers and Euphrates, a perfect 10. Excellent. Oh, and one thing I wanted to add, too, was, you know, at least for me, where that was my first time playing it with you guys, it was really nice to have two people that knew the game pretty well. So I remember going through the game and I was asking a ton of questions. It's like, what is this again? How's that work? What's this internal? Yeah. So, you know, for somebody that doesn't have that, and let's say worst case scenario, you're trying to learn it with your group as, as you're going along. Yeah. That that won't work so well. Again, I see why some people wouldn't like it after yeah. the first play, or maybe even after the second, if the whole group is new to it and they're trying to figure it out on their own. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 I, and I really, I, I loathe the people that say about a game, you know, let's pick, let's pick one. Uh, what did I rate? Okay, Heroes of Graxia, one that I rated low. And they go, well, you just don't understand. Once you've played the game 52 times or 67 times, you're going to see that there's a better way to play the game, and then there's depth to everything you do, right? And, you know, there's a point where I don't want to put in that effort because there's some other game that's worth it more that I'm enjoying the process of getting better at. Uh, and, And so there's some games that aren't those games, and there's so many choices in games out there now, I don't know why... Unless you literally can only afford to buy one game every now and again and somehow can't part with it, right? Which is why I say So I don't think there's anybody on any budget that shouldn't be able to say, okay, this game's not the best game. I will trade it for some other game, right? I will sell it for some other game mm-hmm. if, if you otherwise couldn't afford to then go get a different game. So why you would force yourself to play it 50 times and then go, oh, well, now it's a good game. You know, is At that point, it's just for lack of... Well, it's just maybe familiarity and or you're just you you like clubbing all the people that suck at the game. So, yeah, I, at the same point, I rated a 10. I understand why some people wouldn't get it. So I, I would say find somebody that's that's played it a couple of times and give it a second chance that way, even online. Get on Skype with someone and have them teach you how to play on. Uh, let's see, where can you play it now? Well, iOS, of course. Well, you can play it on Board Game Geek. It's the one game they've implemented. Did you know that? Oh, really? No, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe, I want to say Aldi himself coded it back in the no day. No way. Yeah. It's there. Check it out. I don't know. It's buried under one menu item. I, I found it in the early days of BGG, uh, and I've, I've, yeah, I probably played a dozen times or so. It's it's not bad. It's it's uh, turn-based, or uh, you, know, you, you play, and then you get emailed when it's your turn type of thing. Oh, yeah. I just found it's a Tigress. Yeah. Tigers and Euphrates. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised it's still there because uh, Reiner's games tend to disappear. They have. You know, you can play it at uh, Hasbro's site, too, because the, they licensed the European, like Euphrates and Tigris. It's like oh, the it's op- backwards. Or right. Euphrat, and I forget exactly how it is, but you could play it there. I think you can play against the AI for free, and you have to pay tokens to uh, to play against somebody else. Um, but I had played it there a couple of times. Yeah, of course, it's a great game in person, so ultimately I recommend you know the physical copy. Okay, so uh, that's it for the Board Gamers Dozen. If you liked that idea, 
uh, send us a, a comment. We'd love to hear uh, what you thought of that format. And if you'd like to see us do that again or something like that again or a variation of that. One uh, one other thing we'd like to get your comments on, uh, another future show that we have coming up, uh, maybe a couple of episodes out, we're going to do a focus show on Stephen Feld games or Stefan Feld. Depending Stefan Feld. Yeah, I like, I like saying it that way too. So Stefan Feld. Sounds very um, Euro. I've played uh, about eight of his titles. He's probably put out, I don't know, 10 or 12. If you've uh, played any of them and you've got comments, this would be an excellent time to send us an email or call us or even send us a pre-recorded MP3. Let me give you the details on how to do that. So the emails should go to contact at thisboardgamelife.com. If you want to send us a pre-recorded MP3, send it along to that email as well. If you want to do a, a voicemail, call us, 754-444-TBGL, which is 754-444-8245. You could also post in our Board Game Geek Guild, and if you want to show your support for the show, please do go there and join the guild. We will continue to post the episode announcements there, and uh, you're free to comment there if you don't want to send it in a more direct method. Visit our website at www.thisboardgamelife.com. Any, anything you send us, we, we definitely thank you for, even if it's a, a board game rant on something totally off the wall. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. This concludes episode number five. Now, my name is Rob, and I'll catch you all later. Thanks for listening. This is Jeff. Catch you next time. Mm-hmm.